my voice, come on in. I got to get you to turn to uh, Acts chapter 9. We're going to go there in a second. And uh, man, just glad and excited you can be here. Uh, glad you had a chance to connect uh, with uh, Mark and the Brayside crew. If you didn't, connect with them. How many are enjoying the coffee? Right? Yeah, we got some hands. We got some coffee drinkers here. So that's all good. It's good. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9, and I just want to share with you guys some stuff that God, uh, God's kind of dropped on my heart. Um, and it's actually in light of our worship uh, encounter night tonight uh, at 6 o'clock, and so we're encouraging you to be there, and I'll get into that in a little bit more. Um, but uh, here's what I'd like for you to do. We haven't done this in a long time. Uh, at your table or with the group around you, I'd love for you to tell me, or to tell each other, I should say, What's that one event? Like, you know, we just had the royal wedding, and, you know, people lined the streets to watch the royal wedding. And there were people that were so happy, obviously, to get the invite. That is something that Craig Luff will never say. But anyways, but there are some people that would love that. And so I would love to know, or love for you to tell your neighbor, what event, what thing would you love to get an invitation for, and why? Go ahead, talk about it. An invitation to a free a free house. All right. Well, I'm sure there was tons of different kinds of events as you guys were talking about it. Maybe you said, hey, I would love to go to something as rare as a royal wedding that happens like once every like 20 years kind of a thing. Or at least the next one won't be for another 20 years and all that good stuff. Or maybe you want to go to the Grammys or, you know, maybe you want to go to a, some sporting event like the Super Bowl or whatever. 
And there's a wide variety. There's one person said, woo, to the Super Bowl. Obviously, there's not a lot of football fans here. Oh, Lisa. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa would love to have an invite to the Buffalo Bills playing in the Super Bowl, but that ain't going to happen. But anyways, uh, so, no, <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, everyone's got a different event and things that, you know, interest you and whatnot, and they would all be different around the table, but the reality is, is that we would all have one common thread, and that one common thread is that, is that no matter what that event is, we all would like to go to that particular event for the same reasons. We want to go because we want to experience something, uh, because we have this anticipation that it's going to be different or unique or something special. It's going to be memorable. You're never going to forget it. And, of course, that kind of lends into the idea that if it's something that's super memorable, that it could potentially be life-changing. It could alter the way that you see or the, the way that you do life. And, you know, I was thinking about the invitation because, uh, and this idea of inviting someone to something because of, um, you know, tonight's worship event. And, and did you know, and I just want to share this with you, did you know that God invites you daily into his presence? Like if there was anything, and that's my, that's my, my challenge this morning, and the reason why I want to take some time, uh, you know, obviously it's no secret, I love worship, I love to press in, I've led worship over the years, I, <laughs> I don't know, Scott's smiling and waving something at me, but he's, I think he's just trying to cool down, he's trying to fan himself down, and, uh, and I promise you, we'll make sure this place is cooler by next week, but you know, anyways, that doesn't, actually by tonight, before tonight, it'll be nice and cool, be good. Um, but, you know, I, I have a real passion and a hunger for the presence of God. I love it. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, is that if you are anybody that's ever experienced the tangible presence of God, which is legit, you know, it's not, it's, as a worship leader over the years, that's not a hard sell. It's not, it's, not, it's not hard to get people involved in worship, to lift your hands, to clap, to get expressive, to connect with God. Because, listen, if you're, if you're like me, you probably experienced some similar things like David did. And David did, in Psalm 63, David uses some really powerful language when he describes his encounters with God. He says this, he says, God, you're my God, and I earnestly, I seek you, and I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. You know, in a dry and parched land where there is no water, he's giving this expression or this, uh, this idea that, man, like, as if, it's as if I'm in the, in the desert. I so desperately want your presence, God. I just want you that, man, I'm just thirsting for you. I'm longing for you. And here's the reason why. Because he said, I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've seen you in your, I've, I've been in your presence. I've been with you. I've connected with you. And here's what I've seen. I've beheld your glory and your power. I've seen your power in your presence. I've seen it demonstrated. I've experienced it. I've felt it. You know, I, I, I've seen your glory, meaning the presence of God, that manifest, it just comes down. And if we can go to the next slide, it goes on, he says this, because, and here's something else that I think he experienced in the presence of God. He experienced the reality or the depth or the, or, or the width of God's love, which knows no bounds. He said, listen, because your love is better than life, here's what happens. What I've experienced has caused me and challenged me. He goes on to say, listen, it causes me because I just want to, my lips want to glorify you. I will praise you. As long as I live, and, and in your name I will lift up my hands, and I will be fully. He had this absolute conviction that when he got into the presence of God, he knew. Here's the anticipation. I know that I'm going to be so satisfied. It's as if I'm being satisfied with the richest of foods. And because of that, I will sing. My lips will sing. My mouth will praise you. 
and, and, and this is a constant from David. In fact, as a worship leader over the years, you know, David was the God that you look to when you're looking to, ins- you know, inspire and stir up people to, to get into the presence of God. And I love this because David had experienced, and I know I've experienced, maybe you've experienced that, that worship is one of several different avenues that we can really f- experience God. And if anything, that experience, that moment really brings the word of God to life. If anything, it it just brings it to a deeper reality. It's like, okay, I've I've read it, but now I'm experiencing what I've read. You know, there were times where uh, as a student growing up in in my home church, you know, um, uh, you know, worship was a big part of of our services. and, And there were times where my pastor would come with the word of God and all of a sudden, as worship is going on, he would just sense in his spirit that God is already doing what he put on my pastor's heart to share that day. And so he would put aside, not all the time, but he would put it aside and just let God do his thing. And next thing you know, people are, you know, at the front and we're praying for people and God's just doing this, you know, his thing. And he's, you know, he's ministering to people. And, and man, it's one of the most powerful moments. And to think that every single day, every moment of your life, God wants to invite you into his presence. I believe that God wants you to experience what David experienced. I believe that God wants you to get such an understanding through his presence that it leads you to the place where you're like David, where you're just going, oh, just, God, I need to be near you. And the reason why I... I feel like this is something that's a daily thing that God throws out, not just in a corporate setting on a work, you know, on a Sunday morning or, you know, uh, if you're doing a midweek Bible study or anything like that. But in every day, listen to David when he says this in Psalm 27. In Psalm 27, David is reflecting, and again, he's talking about the presence of God. And he says, man, I just want to dwell. If there's anything that I can do the rest of my life, I just want to dwell in the presence of God. And obviously, David was walking through something, and he makes this declaration in verse uh, in verse 8, it says this. He says, my heart says of you, seek his face. And David's response was, so your face, Lord, I will seek. The New Living Translation puts it this way, that my heart says that you say, come and talk with me. Or if you look at the Amplified Version, it kind of, you know, just kind of gives you a little bit of an insight that the context is a little bit about prayer, but it's also about being in the presence of God, as if the presence of God was a requirement in this moment. And David reveals something in this moment that is available to every one of us, that in this moment he's going, hey, listen, no matter where you are, he heard the whisper of God. I want you to hear the whisper of God saying, listen, come talk with me. Come spend some time with me. Come hang out with me. Be with me. And I believe that when we do that, when we make that choice, and just so you know, as a worship leader over the years, I, it, for me, it's never been about a certain song, even though I love worship music. And, you know, I, there are moments where, like last night, I was on my way to pick up Sydney from, you know, from our house to five minutes, you know, it's just on the other side of, of Hamilton Street. And I was picking her up from a party at 10 o'clock, and I turn on a song, and I've got it cranked. And I don't know what it sounds like to everybody else as I'm driving along, you know, uh, Parkside with all of the construction work. So, so my car's already bouncing, and then all of a sudden you hear, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this, I've, if I had a subwoofer, I would, and, and if I got my van lowered and some lights, I would look really, really cool. I don't think you can look cool in a Dodge Caravan. But anyways, like, that's just life, right? But I'm just saying, and in that five minutes, and Sydney will tell you, she got in the car, man, and there was, she's probably going, Dad, can you, can you just, can you just turn this down right now? This is a little embarrassing. Like, it's quiet outside right now, and, and everyone's just, and I'm in there going, oh, man, this is good. And I'm telling you, in that five minutes, I'm listening to the song uh, about, you know, it's, it's really based on the story of Lazarus and how he came, you know, to life. And, and it talked about coming from fear to faith. And, and uh, anyways, it was, it was a, it's a great album, actually, from um, one thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a conference. Anyways, it was powerful. And I'm, I'm just going, oh, this is so good. Boo, isn't this good? And she's like, oh, Dad, what are you doing, man? And I'm just, I'm sensing God's presence. Can I just tell you something that worship, and when we choose, because worship for me is about a choice, and when we choose worship, when we choose to ascribe worth to God, when we choose to press in, is the moment that you and I, absolutely, God just comes and he just wants to meet with us. He wants us to talk with him. He wants us to embrace him. He wants us to feel and experience what David felt all of the time. There's a reason why in David's darkest hours that he would pursue the presence of God because it was memorable and it was life-altering, life-shaping, and it changed the way that he saw and did life and did faith. Can I suggest to you, community, that the heart and the passion of this pastor is that you and I would experience that, not just because it's personal, but because God simply invites us. And if God invites us, there's a reason for that, and it's a good reason. My prayer for things like tonight, and I'm not ashamed. Listen, I don't want you to feel condemnation if you can't make it tonight. I do want you to feel a little bit of that pastor pressure, right? Us pastors don't call it guilt trips, but everybody else does. But we just call it pastor pressure. Because I want you to experience the invitation of God. That this is what he wants you to experience. He wants you to grab a hold of this. You know, I was, I was going to jump in, but I'm just going to throw this in right now. In Mark chapter 12, listen to me. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus... Jesus makes this, this declaration of two, he, you know, he's asked, what's the greatest commandments? He goes, let me give you two. Here's the number one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That scripture is based out of Deuteronomy. You've, I've probably referenced it a few times. It's a scripture that means a lot to me, I'm sure it, and some, if you've read it, you've caught on, you know that was the heart. It was one of the heartbeats of, of the Israelite nation. Listen to me. What he was saying is God wants to interact with you on every level. That when you and I are expressing our love to God, he is looking for it to be expressed on every level. Heart, soul, mind, strength. He's complete you. But can I just share with you that I believe that when we engage God in the complete us, meaning our complete being, I actually think that's the moment where we begin to experience the full measure of him. If God is looking for us to engage him on all those different levels, there's something unique and different on all of those levels that reveals something else about him. The complete you releases the full measure of him. And I'll tell you why. Acts chapter 9. 
here's a passage and here's a moment because sometimes God is so passionate about being with you that God will actually seek you out. It's not just an invitation. He wants you. He's inviting you to come all the time. Like David reveals that. But I think sometimes God, you know, chases us down a little bit. And I'm hoping and praying that tonight he's going to chase down a few of us in this place as we begin to worship God together as a, as a body. Tonight is just free-flowing. Yes, Cora said to me again yesterday, so we are just going to worship, right? You know, she's afraid that I'm going to bust out a message is what she's worried about. Isn't that great? The pastor's wife is worried that the pastor is going to preach. Right? <laughs> she is. She's looking at me going, yes, I know you. Uh, we've been married 21 years. I know how you think. Listen, and I said to her, I go, listen, I'm just going to roll with it. And whatever God wants to do tonight, let him do his thing. I'm not coming with anything. But I want to just have a moment of expressing. And, and there are times where God chases us down because he wants us to encounter it. And I think about this moment of, of Saul or Paul, the apostle Paul, who before, you know, at this point, he hasn't given his life and surrendered his life to Christ at this point. In fact, if anything, he is the greatest adversary against the way, and you're going to see that in a moment. But many of us know the story of Saul. Saul was this zealous religious leader that, that really took it upon himself to hunt down. He was really on a witch hunt. He was looking for believers because he felt like it was like a cult. And I want to wipe this out, and they are, you know, they are misrepresenting God and all these different things. And so he, he decides it's my mission that I'm going to chase them down, and I'm going to persecute them. And, and so we pick it up in Acts chapter 9. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Like, he wasn't just saying, you guys are losers. He's like, listen, by the end of this day, I'm hoping that you do not breathe another breath. Like, that's how much passion he had behind, and he was doing it what he thought was good reason. Because he felt like he was doing God this service because he was so zealous for God and, and believed so much in in, in history, in Hebrew history, and, and a part of his nation, and all these kinds of things, and his people, but, but he was missing it, and so he's still, you know, in the midst of doing this, he, he decides he's going to go to the council, or to the Sanhedrin, and he goes, you know, to, uh, to the high priest, and he says, hey, listen, I want letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that, you know, if we find anyone there that's belonging to the way, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. And this is where the story gets really cool. Because as he, you know, nears Damascus on this journey, the scripture says, and if we can go to the next slide here, it says that suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. So he's on this road. He's on a rampage. He is ready to arrest people. He is ready to hold jackets for other people to stone other people. Like he is ready to go. And then all of a sudden, this light flashes around him, and it stops him dead in his tracks. This term for light, there's, there's several um, uh, biblical examples of, you know, when, when the scripture talks about light, there are different meanings behind it. This one happens to refer to the presence or the glory of God. So in this moment, he is actually having a full encounter with Jesus. Jesus has ascended at this point, so this is really messing with Saul. And so in this moment, he hears this voice, and it says to him, he falls to the ground, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he, and he declares, he goes, who are you, Lord? Meaning, he recognized in this moment, in fact, if you look at the King James Version of this passage, 
where it says that he fell down, the King James actually just kind of broadens it a little bit and gives you a bit of insight to what, um, you know, the, the, the emotion behind this moment. It actually says in, in the King James Version, it says that uh, he was trembling and astonished. Meaning he recognized that there was something. He had a bit of fear when, I, and, and I don't know about you, but if there's flashing light and there's a voice coming from the flashing light, I'm not just speechless. I'm freaking out right now. You know what I mean? Like, that would be me in that moment. But the fear that he was having wasn't a negative fear. It was actually a good fear. It actually refers to this, this sense of awe, this respect. He understood that there was an authority in front of him that he had never encountered before. And this light speaks to him, and his response is not just to be trembling, but the scripture says that he drops to his knees, which, by the way, is an act of worship. And the scripture says that he was astonished. The word there means that he was amazed to the point that he could not move. You ever have a moment where you've experienced something that left you speechless, like in awe, like you were amazed, you couldn't believe that it happened? How many have had that kind of a moment, right? I remember years ago, how many remember David Copperfield? I mean, am I the only person that knows who David Copperfield is? Okay, thank you. I just wanted to know if you guys still had arms and hands and you can, it's all good, right? So, so anyways, like, <laughs> you can take that out of the podcast. But anyway, so, but yeah, <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Like David Copperfield years ago, and I was in junior high when this happened. And, uh, and, and I remember going over to a friend's house. He was inviting us over and we were all going to watch David Copperfield. And this was the big TV event where he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. Right, how many remember that? How many were watching that? I See, there we go. See, we're getting better. We're getting, all of a sudden the mind's getting jogging, right? We're, we're figuring it out. And so I remember sitting there and watching David Copperfield make the Statue of Liberty disappear. Now, I'm a junior high, man. I don't get all the ins and outs and TV trickery and all that good stuff. And, I mean, for all I know, he put a blanket over it and had, you know, like, painted city background. So from every angle, it looks like the city. I don't know. Like, I have no idea. Still to this day, I have no idea how he did it. But I was so amazed I sat there speechless. I was also speechless because my friend made this dare that if, if David Copperfield could actually do this, that he was going to run around outside in his underwear. That's another reason to be speechless because I, I can't get that out of my memory ever. You know what I mean? But I'm sitting there, and I am blown out of the water. I can't move. I, I can't say anything. It just blows my this encounter that Saul, and listen, th there's a reason, and I love when God does name changes because it shows that there's a new season and a new beginning in someone's life. And we go on to know that Paul from there goes on to this long journey. There's, there's conversation about how there's a season where Paul went and he just got alone with God and, and he, he literally rethought everything that he was ever taught because he had such an encounter and experience with Jesus that everything that he taught didn't make sense. But then he started connecting the dots with the Lord. And all of a sudden, that very person that was so passionate to pursue or per pursue and to persecute the church became one of the greatest advocates and greatest uh, partners that Jesus had in, in establishing the, the early church and, and evangelism throughout the world to where we are today. It reminds me of this Hebrew term for awe. It literally means to be 
shattered. And I, I think about that. I think about that when I get into the presence of God, how like it was for, for Paul, not just in that moment, but the moments subsequent to that, later on with that, that as he engaged God, as he engaged Jesus, as he, he began to come into relationship with the Holy Spirit, that his entire life was changed, I think that God came along and just shattered what he knew. And my prayer in my heart, if I'm being honest with you, and this is not an indictment on you or what you've experienced over the years and where you've been, you know, how you've been brought up and, and you know, all the stuff that you learned in Sunday school or all the stuff that you learned in, you know, midweek stuff or youth ministry or in churches and, you know, preachers and pastors over the years. I, that, that's my, what I'm about to say to you is, has nothing to do with that. But it has everything to do that I believe there is so much depth to God that no matter what level of understanding or maturity that we're in, there is always more. But sometimes to get to the more, God has to shatter us, has to get us in his presence so that he can leave us in awe in such a way that we are amazed or astonished at what's going on. And he begins to, to, to break away. And sometimes that happens through Bible studies and sometimes that happens through somebody preaching and all that good stuff. But can I suggest to you that the one thing that my heart beats for this church, along with the other things, is that we would enter into worship with a choice that says, God, I just want to meet with you because he has simply made the invitation, come talk with me. That's it. That's it. And my prayer in my heart, like I said to you earlier, is that, man, I really want this, us as a body, as a church, as a community, to experience the, the, the love of God, to lead you to the point of being speechless. That was one of the other words that's in this passage where the, the men that were standing there, you know, they, they, were, they didn't see anybody, but they heard the voice, and it left them speechless. And I, I want you to walk away from your encounters with God literally speechless. And when I say speechless, I'm not talking about, like, you know, crazy speeches, like that was kind of weird, kind of speechless, you know, like, like I was telling someone the other day, uh, you know, uh, about this one time that I heard a guy call 911 because he ordered a Happy Meal. And when he got the Happy Meal, it didn't have a juice box in it. So he called 911 to complain. That can leave you speechless. Like, what? But the kind of speechless I'm talking about is the speechless feeling that you feel when you see your child for the first time. Like no words could ever describe the feeling that I felt the moment that I held Madison, other than the fact that I was afraid I was going to drop her. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm holding this child in my head. Well, she was four pounds, four ounces. She was seven weeks premature. And so I could basically have her right here. And I'm just telling you that there's an element to pr the presence of God that will always leave you speechless like that. And like I said, you know, there are times where, you know, we might wrestle, we might you know, like, it, you know, worship could feel uncomfortable or you know, it's a little outside my comfort zone as far as, you know, singing. I'm, maybe I'm not a, you know, maybe you don't consider yourself a great singer or maybe you do and your people beside you are going, no, bro, seriously, you're not a great singer, right? Like, like, 
your shower, your level is you can sing in the shower and that's it. How many have husbands that are like shower level singers? How many have husbands that sing in the shower as if they're a rock star? I just want to know that just so we can have some fun right now. You guys will tell me later. I know who they are. But anyways, Ryan guaranteed is one of those. See, <laughs> see, I can tell, man, right? He thinks he's Bon Jovi in the shower, right? Is that the deal? See, I, I got it, man. There we go. So <laughs> you, maybe you feel uncomfortable because it's expressive. It's like, man, this is outside my box. And then you see PC up here, and he looks like he's landing a 747. It's not about what it looks like. Although I will suggest to you that David got to a point in his encounter with God that he couldn't help it but be expressive. You saw it in Psalm 63. He's like, man, this is so good that I can't help but sing. You know, it reminds me of the story of my dad. And I look forward to the day you guys get a chance to meet my mom and dad. And, uh, and my dad is, is, I mean, my mom and dad love Jesus, don't get me wrong. But my mom and dad are, and my dad's never been like super, super you know, expressive as far as the way I am at times, right? So this, you'll meet my dad and my mom, and you go, whoa, are you sure Craig's not adopted? You know, like that kind of a thing, because there's a bit of a disconnect, right? But I remember years ago when we were in our home church, and, and I did, I, I had the, I call it a privilege. I really do. I call it a privilege. I would never trade it in for anything. so grateful that I grew up in an environment where there was such a hunger for Jesus that it was good teaching and, and, and all that good stuff, but there was just a, a, a surrender. Like when we walked in on a Sunday, Tor and I have talked about this over the years, where there was a season where you didn't want to miss church because you were afraid you were going to miss out on something so powerful and so unique. remember uh, those days, and I remember there was a moment, a Sunday night, and we were just in this time of worship, and it was, it was ministry time afterwards, the pastor had already preached, we were praying for people, and my dad was standing there, and, and, uh, <laughs> and my dad is like conservative, white, Newfoundlander, he doesn't even do the jig, right? Because, like, as a Newfoundlander, being a Pentecostal, like, all dancing, all that stuff is, you know, you just don't do that. It was, you know, and so, so take it, my dad's never danced before. And here's my, da here's my dad, and I remember sitting there, talk about speechless moments, where all of a sudden my dad, and I promise you, part of being speechless was the fact that it did not look pretty at all. And my dad started to dance in the presence of God. Now, he wasn't doing any of the cool moves that we would have today. It was the Pentecostal two-step. I'd show you, but I don't even, you know, I'm not even there myself. But anyways. And I remember sitting there going, wow, this is huge. And my dad's never really done that before. And I remember later on that night, my, we were home, and, and my dad looked at me, and, and I'm like, dude, what's the deal with the dancing? <laughs> He's like, I've, I mean, I've done it, but because there are times, man, the presence of God just so grabs a hold of you, man. You, you feel like there's nothing. I mean, think about King David, right? King David brings home the Ark of the Covenant, and he's freaking out, and, and he's just having a blast. And his wife's up in the window going, you look like an idiot. 
stop doing that. This is embarrassing. He's like, oh, you think this is bad? I could take this up a few more notches if you like, you know. It's like a kid telling your, you know, your, your dad, dad, don't wear the socks with sandals. And you don't tell a dad that because then the dad goes, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to take it up a whole nother notch. I'm going to wear the ugliest shorts that I could find. You know, the stuff that your wife wants to throw out, but you won't let her. And every time it goes in the garbage, you sneak it out and you put it away somewhere else. And then you pull it out and your wife goes, I thought I threw that thing out. I'm looking right at you because I know this has happened to you. It's probably happening this weekend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> David said, listen, if you think this is bad, man, listen. Listen, I can be even more undignified than this. There was something about the presence of God that just, just everything inside of David, I can't contain this. I've got to let it out. I've got to sing. I've got to dance. I've got to shout. But again, it's really about a choice, and it's about engaging God. It's about connecting with God. And that's, listen, like I said, it's not about what's seen. It's just about the heart. It's the surrender. It's just, I just want to love on you, God. So my dad said to me, he goes, Craig, I stood there for about 10 minutes. And everything inside of me, I just wanted to let loose. <laughs> and he said, and I knew that I would have friends that in just, just having fun, will never forget this moment. And will, you know, this is the kind of story that 20 years from now they're going to bring up. Hey, Cliff, remember that time you danced in front of the altar? Yeah, that looked really awkward. You know, that kind of a thing. Like if you're a Seinfeld fan, if you're a Seinfeld fan and remember, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Elaine and the dance. Yeah, that looked better than what my dad did that day. I'm just saying, right? You know, so. But he said, Craig, I had a moment, and I could have succumbed to the pressure of what everyone else in the room expected of me or thought of me. Or I can just surrender to what God is just stirring up in my heart. And I just decided to throw caution to the wind. And I don't care what I look like, and I don't care what anybody says. I did it because I wanted to dance before God. I love that. When you feel the pressure from God, you just, you want it, don't you? Because he enjoys it so much. And that's my challenge tonight. And it's the reason why tonight is important to me. And I want it to be important to you. And like I said, no guilt, no condemnation. It's not like we're going to be taking attendance, you know, and like, oh, well, so-and-so wasn't here and they're not, you know. It's not about that. It's because he invites us. And if God invites us to something, you better believe it's good. And you better believe that it's life-shaping and life-altering. You better believe because he is a good, good father. And he does invite you and he says, would you come and talk? Would you meet with me? There's a reason. And so if you're able to be here tonight, we would love for you to be here. Six o'clock, the reason why we shifted it to six is because we know we've got some parents here that got kids. And, and, you know, maybe your kids go to bed a little earlier than that. And if your kids go to bed by six o'clock, God bless you, man. You are a genius. I got to tell you right now, man, because getting our kids, I don't think we've ever got our kids to bed at six o'clock, man. Like, it's like torture, you know. But, um but that's the reason why we moved it. And that's also the reason why Pastor Megan said, guys, I want to do something for our kids that's on their level that begins this journey or continues the journey, depending on the child, of growing them in a deeper walk with Jesus.
I want you to encounter Jesus in a way that Paul did, in the way that David did, in a way that I know I've experienced at times. I'm sure there are many others in this room that can testify to the same thing. I want you because he simply invites us to. And I just know that he just wants to reveal himself, shatter what we've known so that he can continue to build the depth of that relationship and to change our life. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me all over this place. I'm going to ask you to take 30 seconds right now. And, uh, and I would love for you just to take just the 30, because it's not even just, uh, just about tonight. This is about every Sunday. This is about every moment of your life where you just say, Jesus, I want to surrender to what you have for me. And I just, I, I just pray for a heart of pursuit. And if I have a heart of pursuit, I pray that God, that hunger would grow more and more. So would you do that all over this place? Just take 30 seconds and just pray that prayer. God, I just want more. I want more. It's not what I, it's not that what I had isn't good. I just know there's so much more and I want that. Father, I just thank you for every person here. I'm so excited, whether they've been here for years or, you know, God, they've been in faith for a long time, or maybe they're just a guest here today. And, and God, we're so glad that they're here. And I pray that, that God, the word, your heart, your presence would so fill every one of our lives today. I pray that, God, you would hear our hearts. I pray that our hunger for your presence would grow. That, God, we truly would begin to engage you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And some of that is serving and some of that is, uh, you know, spending time in your word. And some of it, God, is just spending time with you and worshiping you and beginning to express our heart and our passion, that worth that you're so worthy of. And I pray that, God, not just for tonight, but, God, I pray for any time that we decide to take up the invitation to come talk with you, to come be with you, to be in your presence. I pray that, God, you would reveal yourself. That, God, you would just allow us to feel and sense your manifest presence because I know it takes what we're reading, it takes what we're hearing to a whole nother level. It's deeper. It's reality becomes so much more clear. And so, God, we just want to honor you. And so, Lord, I pray that as we engage you, that, God, you would just give us the full measure of who you are. And so we thank you that you invite us every day. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? That's good. Well, listen, before you go, turn around, connect with some people. Brayside stuff is still back there. You can still grab some coffee from them. And, uh, oh, hey, listen, we got this event going on tonight at 6 o'clock, worship. So if you can be here, that's awesome. If not, we will see you next week ready to press into God.